0: Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That it? Well, your 2023 WWE Elimination Chamber Instant Analysis. That's right. Getting over is back once again, and we are here just minutes after WWE Elimination Chamber went off the air to break down WWE's final premium live event before Wrestlemania 39 the company's biggest show of the year co-host vintage Chris Vanini will join me momentarily we're going to break down all of the results from Elimination Chamber we're going to give you reactions grades delivering everything you need and want to know coming out of Elimination Chamber going into Wrestlemania but because this is an instant analysis podcast we are getting right to the action as quick as we possibly can so allow me to remind you that this podcast is all about defy so please folks it's late at night stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me go back to being marks for the silver king and vintage head on over to apple Podcasts and spotify drop those five-star ratings for getting over on apple take a few extra moments leave a five-star written review if you do we will read it live right here on the show. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for news analysis highlights, episode drop announcements, polls. You got to vote in our pre and post show polls for Elimination Chamber and live shows on Twitter spaces, which we did before Elimination Chamber on Saturday night. So with that, Chris, because it is an instant analysis episode, we treat these a little bit different than our normal weekly shows. It's late, we're exhausted. Some, especially after what we got, Here at Elimination Chamber, may light up a cigarette. We don't do that. We crack open a cold one. And the Silver King is rocking an appropriately named Blood Orange Dreamsicle from Terrapin Brewing in Georgia, one of my favorite breweries. Chris, what do you have over there?
1: I've got a spotted cow. Haven't had this one for a post show in a bit uh, by New Glarus Brewing Company in Wisconsin, I think.
0: All right. So we are all ready to go with the drinks. And we are going to jump into that WWE uh, Elimination Chamber instant analysis. Chris, before we get into the match-by-match breakdown, the reactions, the grades, the whole thing, I just wanted to kind of give an overview of the show briefly. Triple H, after Elimination Chamber, called Montreal the star of the show. And he was dead on about that. Montreal on Saturday was one of the greatest crowds In professional wrestling history, not just for the main event, but literally for the entire show. The production by WWE was outstanding. We'll we'll talk about commentary a little bit more later. But from an overall atmospheric standpoint, we went into the show thinking Montreal was going to be off the chain. And they delivered perhaps even beyond my expectations on Saturday night.
1: Yes, Montreal... Elimination Chamber is up there with Chicago Money in the Bank. It's up there with uh, uh, Canadian Stampede. What mm-hmm. uh, was that Calgary? I think.
0: Um, it, it's ECW up there with One Night Stand crowd. ECW
1: One Night Stand in Philly. Like it's right up there now with with a lot of that, and and that has been great to see. One one of the things we said last summer when they did SmackDown in Montreal was that. We hope they go back to Canada more frequently post COVID because Mm -hmm. you always get a good crowd there and that they've gone there multiple times now over the past year. And Montreal absolutely lived up to all the hype that we gave it coming in.
0: Yeah, no, no question about it. It was just an outstanding atmosphere throughout Elimination Chamber. And we got a pretty banger show. Spoiler alert uh, to go along with it. So, Chris, yes, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to our WWE Elimination Chamber. Instant analysis. We're going to break down every single match on the card, what happened during the match, our thoughts on it, our reaction to it. We'll drop some grades as well. And in some cases, we're going to also discuss what is next in terms of the storytelling, the storylines going into, of course, WrestleMania 39. We will have a much more detailed booking the damn territory edition of our WrestleMania 39 build On our next WWE show this coming Tuesday right here in the same podcast feed. But here we are mostly going to be sticking to the instant analysis of Elimination Chamber. Chris, we're going to start where WWE ended. That was the undisputed WWE Universal Championship match. Roman Reigns defending against Sami Zayn. Now before we get started on what happened Saturday. Let's discuss Friday night on SmackDown because... Ariel Halwani twice appeared in the crowd saying Montreal is excited to see Sammy. They were kind of worthless cut ins. Uh, Sammy then entered in the main event of SmackDown with his old babyface music returning. They did this ahead of chamber for the hot reaction, given he had the stage to himself on Friday. He wasn't sharing it with Roman Reigns, but also they wanted to prime the fans for Saturday, get them ready to know the song's going to be there. We want you to scream, chant and sing along. The crowd was on fire, chanting for four or five minutes straight with Sammy just standing in the ring. Fox muted and even blacked out the screen for a, quote, (laughs) fuck you, Roman chant, which was simultaneously understandable because it's on broadcast TV before 10 p.m., but also enraging as a viewer. Sammy finally said Chamber in Montreal was his WrestleMania. He then said in French that Roman is going to be in his fucking house on Saturday, which popped the crowd huge. And then he said Reigns was fighting not just him, but the entire city before spiking the microphone. And I want to give you a warning. There will be some cursing on this episode. We are not a mature language podcast generally, but there's a lot of F-words that were thrown around in Montreal on Friday and Saturday, and we are going to note when those occurred just so everyone understands that. Now, this, Chris, was, I thought, the most simple and effective go-home moment that I can remember. The crowd chanting and screaming for Sammy was more than two-thirds of the segment. It raised the rent seeing him cheered that way in front of his home crowd a day before the show. The promo was straight fire. And just the thought about standing in the middle of the ring, eight miles from your hometown, getting that kind of ovation from 14,000 people, and you're not even about to wrestle legitimate goosebumps on Friday night. I still wish we got a little bit more of like the internal strife, turning on Roman, the whole build, but the crowd could not have been hotter going into chamber.
1: I said on the ultimate preview, we had to get his old theme back and they did it. And <laughs> in, in, in the moment I was like, no, don't use it now. Use it Saturday. Use it for the, for the actual thing. But as, as it played out, I agreed with the decision to play it then. So people knew when it came on Saturday, they knew they could sing along, but they didn't get prepared to do that. So first off, awesome decision to bring that back. Cause that is a just tremendous song. Everything fits that song fit this moment too. So that was great. And yeah, it went on a lot. I kept looking at the clock, being like, "Uh, Sammy, going to be talking here soon or what?" I, I I don't know why Fox blacked out the the screen. Um, unless someone's throwing up middle fingers, I I don't no, know. It was ridiculous. I, I can understand. I understand why they do the the muting. I hate it, but I get it. Uh, it's and, like and so if you want to beat
0: the f word. I know it's difficult, like to to nail yeah. it right and, and get it right every single time. But you can pick up the rhythm. Sure. Just muting the entire sure. screen for thirty to forty five seconds yeah. is just. It's insanely bad.
1: As for Sammy, um, he said in the Elimination Chamber press conference that he did have a lot more to say, but that because of the way the crowd was reacting, he figured, Mm -hmm. hey, we're going to just have to go with this and let it go. So I I think there originally was a plan to get more of that internal strife, like you said, because we didn't really quite get that. We only got that in his conversation with Cody. You know, and so and really wasn't even bit, it really wasn't about there, like there, his
0: struggles turning on Roman. Yeah, it was just there was can some, I win. Yeah. Am I good enough?
1: Yeah, there was some more meat on that bone and I think he wanted to deliver it. But the crowd was just too good that that he couldn't. And then you ran out of time.
0: That's totally fair. So let's move over to Saturday night, Elimination Chamber. One other word of warning before we get into today's show. I think you know when we break down the matches here on the Instant Analysis for all of our long-term listeners, uh, we just try to keep it as short as we possibly can, but without missing anything. The problem at Elimination Chamber was the three big matches, both chamber matches and the main event. So much happened that was important that our breakdowns just cannot be short. So bear (laughs) with me. We're going to break down what happened in this match. Then we're going to tell you exactly what we thought, and we're going to grade it on top of that. So Paul Heyman pumped up Reigns backstage in a really short energy drink promo segment. Roman entered with only Paul by his side, first to a chorus of booze and then fuck you Roman chants during his music. Deafening, Sammy and Olay chants followed, and then Zayn entered. Commentary completely sat out. The crowd was absolutely wild. He came down. He kissed his wife. Legitimate chills in the moment. Then Sammy got announced in the ring. They went wild and he actually had to be held back from Roman. The fuck you Roman chants continued as he actually let leaned over the ropes and trash talked Sammy's wife. They stood motionless after the bell rang for four minutes with the crowd just chanting and screaming so relentlessly that it disturbed Roman. Zayn finally <laughs> hit a huge tope early plus a bionic elbow, which popped me, of course, the dusty reference there. Reigns hit drive-by, and trash talked both the fans and Sammy's wife relentlessly, saying he wanted her and his kids, Sammy's kids, to actually be part of his family. Zayn then beat Reigns in front of his family and kissed his wife really hard before getting back in the ring. Sammy hit an avalanche sunset flip powerbomb for a fantastic 2.9 false finish. Reigns hit a Urinagi. Zayn countered a Superman punch into an exploder. Reigns then countered a helluva kick with a Superman punch for a great 2.8. Sammy leapfrogged a spear. Reigns hit the corner, then took an exploder. Zayn mocked Reigns and actually hit a Superman punch plus a Huluva kick for another 2.9 false finish. Roman ducked away from another Huluva kick with Zayn trying a tope through the corner only to eat a strike. Zayn then dodged Reigns who ran himself through the barricade with his spear. Uh, Roman quickly got thrown into the ring by Sammy. Uh, He countered a Superman punch. Sammy did with blue Thunderbomb for another 2.99 false finish. Reigns blocked another attempt, running Zayn backwards into the referee and delivering two back elbows to his head that hit both Sammy and the referee. Sammy immediately burst out of the corner, responding with a Huluva kick, but the referee was down. So there was no one to count the fall. The crowd did, though, and they went past six, with Zayn clearly having pinned Roman if there was a referee. The referee fell outside. Jimmy Uso ran in for three super kicks and an Uso splash. He dragged Roman over Sammy for a new official to count. 2.999, one of the best kickouts I've seen in a long time with Zayn barely lifting his shoulder at the end. There seemed to be a couple Superman punch like botches, but Zayn took Jimmy off the apron with a Huluva kick only to eat a spear for another false finish. Reigns screamed more at Zayn and the fans only to get slapped. Zayn then dodged a Superman punch that hit the referee, bringing the entire match back on pace. The spot was supposed to happen a little bit earlier. Then he hit Reigns with a Superman punch only for Roman to hit Sammy with a Superman punch. So we got three in succession referee Reigns and then Sammy Hayman handed Reigns a chair when Jay Uso jumped into the ring with his head down, standing in front of Sammy. He snarled at Roman. So Reigns handed him the chair just like he did to Sammy at the Royal Rumble with the exact same in-ring positioning of all three guys, just obviously in different roles. Reigns then took the chair back when Jay wouldn't use it. He shoved Jay in the face, just like he did with Sammy. Sammy tried a spear, but Roman dodged him, and Sammy speared Jay. Reigns then wore out Zayn with the chair and hit the spear for a very slow one-two-three to retain the championship in 32 minutes. After the bell, Reigns looked distraught in the finish. He made Jimmy beat on Sammy until Kevin Owens ran down, making the save. He killed Jimmy on the ramp, beat up on Reigns in the ring, and hit stunners on both of them, plus a pop-up powerbomb on Jimmy through the table. He then went after Roman with a chair. Heyman actually tried hitting him, only to eat a stunner. KO then stepped out of the way, that way Zayn could get Haluva Kick on Reigns one more time. KO then left to allow Sammy his moment in the ring as the show went off the air. Now, Chris, this was undoubtedly a great match Ooh. and an emotional roller coaster. Despite Ooh. loving the moment overall and much of the match, I think it's fair to say the finish... Left something to be desired. Okay. The biggest question that I had is why was Solo Sokoa completely absent from this? It didn't make a shred of sense. Then with Jay, clearly he ran in to protect Sammy, but it was strange to not have a resolution there. Now, granted, there's still time to tell that story with six more weeks left until WrestleMania. Some others may ask, well, why didn't KO help Sammy during the match when all the shenanigans were happening? And he just waited until after the bell. Well, the idea there is pretty clear to me based on what they gave us on TV, which is that Owens has not actually forgiven Zane after everything Sammy did to him at War Games and beyond. So what KO did was pretty much the bare minimum to save Sammy from getting killed by the same way Sammy saved KO from getting killed beyond the way he did at the Royal Rumble. And that's it. But by doing that, by making that decision and not having it be a full save and a full reunion between the two, they did miss an opportunity to not get one last huge pop with Sammy and KO hugging two hometown boys, best friends, hugging in the middle of the ring in Montreal. Now, Zayn could have still gotten his moment after, KO could have left the ring, but it was odd that they did not pay that off in the ring at the end of the show as this big makeup moment, given Sammy wasn't going to win the title. So you do that instead. Now this did go largely as I predicted, Chris, with the twist being Sammy accidentally spearing Jay rather than Jay choosing a side, but the match and really this wasn't about the match itself. It was more about the moment and the spectacle of this happening in Montreal. It was incredible. It was one of the hottest crowds and reactions to a baby face that I can remember in like three decades of watching professional wrestling The spots were executed well, except for the one sequence, but they still went back and fixed it. The involvement of Sammy's family, who he has kept completely away from WWE in his entire run with the company. That amped up the intensity and the emotion of the entire thing. And then Reigns, as we expected, he became even more of a substantial evil heel, talking shit to his wife and his kids and the fans, all that type of stuff. This was a five-star atmosphere a 4.75 star segment and a 4.5 star match. Not as perfect as the Royal rumble like post-match, but it was still exceptional. I hate that we
1: agree so frequently
0: here because <laughs> okay.
1: arguing well, like you generally makes for better audio. Now I'm going to start at the end. First off, you were right in your pick. I said, Sammy needed to lose clean. You said it was going to happen during the match. Uh, it happened during the match. You got that right. I, there there are a lot of mixed feelings on this finish, and you and I are among those mixed feelings, but for a different reason than a lot of the other mixed feelings. A lot of people are really upset at WWE for not going with Sami Zayn, and we've talked about that a lot. Yes, it would have been amazing if Sami had won. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have blamed them if Sammy had won. It would have been an all-time moment if Sammy won. At the same time, I don't hate Sammy losing because they are still telling uh, another story with Cody that is very good, a larger story that is within the bloodline that is still going on. My issue with the finish was, it felt like, the finish in the post-match, it felt like it added an unnecessary step that we didn't need. What, why, why have Sammy speared Jay? Is that going to be the thing that causes Jay to turn on Sammy? That'd be kind of stupid. I think if so, that's the reason that he turns on him, I think I, what I, think what I wanted to, to
0: Yeah. Sorry sorry to interrupt you. I just want to get this point so you can continue. Yes. I think you have to remember that Reigns has Jay so brainwashed and gaslit that he can right. use that as fuel to say, this guy never cared about you. He was never your friend. Look what he did to yeah, you. I I know.
1: I know, but I, yeah. I feel like they were they were already telling that story when it, when Roman is telling Jay, it's him or me, it's him or me, mm-hmm. it's him or me. And he starts shoving Jay and Jay's having that internal conflict. I'm like, this is great. This is great stuff. He's got to pick one and he's, he's going to be he's going to be the the tragic hero. Who picks the who picks the wrong side and hits Sammy at at the end instead of hitting Roman doing instead of hitting Roman doing the opposite of what Sammy did and that is Jay's big moment and he failed his big moment unlike Sammy did before like that was what we were expecting Jay turns on Sammy in that moment and so the spear and the the in, inconclusivity of it was a little awkward and then Kevin Owens coming out which we all knew was going to happen was great the problem was it came right after J- Jimmy jumped onto Sammy. Jimmy jumps on Sammy hits him like twice. And then Kevin Owens music comes out and it's like, here we go. Like that, it felt too quick. Like I, I want, I, I wanted them to do to, to Sammy, the same thing they did to KO, like beat him to a bloody pulp where well, the crowd is booing so incredibly loud. And then Kevin Owens comes out for the save. And then you get the big going in, in the opposite direction. Like it felt like it was way too quick of a, of a, of a reason for Kevin Owens to come out. Like, hmm. like you're coming out now, like after, cause Jimmy jumped on him and punched him twice. you didn't come out when he super kicked him a bunch of times. So but I, I, just, I explained that. No, through, I, 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 no I'm, I'm not saying why he came out during the match versus after the match. I'm saying what right. caused him to come out after the match was not all that like big of a deal like like that. I wanted it to be more of a, a, a more of a bigger beat down to get more heat on Roman Got it. for the Got Kevin it. Owens okay. return and I it see. just felt like it was it felt like it was well,
0: rushed but dude that's the exact point of where was solo that too, why wasn't yeah, he slowing exactly. spiking sammy why why wasn't yeah. it a greater yeah. beatdown? where where was solo sokoa there was no explanation for him not being there
1: yeah and so that that's like like it it, it was like we got what we wanted so like i don't mean to hit on it too much like this match was incredible the whole thing continues to be great but it was just like it felt like a, a misstep that didn't need to happen like what like where is solo why is why is there not much of a beat down of sammy before before kevin owens comes out i don't and then and then the j thing the indecisiveness it feels like we're it feels like we're still going to get to the tag team match but it's like an extra step to get there that i don't think we needed to take like this was the mo- this was the time to do it and instead we'll do it in a few weeks on smackdown or something like that and eventually get there but it, it, i wanted it
0: here instead of a couple weeks from now Well, that's the thing. It does feel like there were a couple elements, the J element and the KO Sammy element that just could have been resolved here. Like we, we, you know, we had such a great post match at the Royal Rumble that gave us so much storyline development and so much to Mm -hmm. chew on. And they didn't give us that here. I'm not saying they didn't give us any post match. They did. And they really had KO open the door for Sammy to hit Roman the same way that Sammy opened the door for Jay to beat KO at Wargame. So they did a callback there. Mm-hmm. They also did a callback to the Royal rumble spot with Jay. So I'm not saying that Great. there were not late match and good stuff. match angles and storylines that gave us stuff to chew on. But yeah, you know, my guess is what you said and what I kind of alluded to earlier, which is WWE is like, well, look, we got six weeks left until WrestleMania. Why are we going to give it all away now? We want people to see what's going to happen next on SmackDown. I just feel like KO could have like reluctantly hugged Sammy, or Sammy could have like grabbed him by the shirt and pulled him in for a hug and kind of forced him to like accept it. And then they could work out their issues actually on TV over the coming weeks. You know, yes, it just the finish was overbooked to some degree with the multiple referee bumps that we get so often with Roman Reigns.
1: I fine yeah. with multiple referees. I like that stuff. Like it, it's it's corny wrestling trope and whatever is, but like I like that stuff, yeah.
0: My point is though, it's one thing if you're going to overbook it and then give us a lot to chew on afterward. They overbooked right. it just so they could excuse Sammy's loss and then give us much to chew on afterward. So that's yeah. kind of where I look at it and I say, you know, there's no doubting that this was great. Like I you know, I hate I hate when Tremendous. we come on here and like people are going to say you guys are so critical <laughs> We're not. We're just kind of explaining what we expected, what we thought might happen, and where it could have been improved. That's all. Um, it was the very Roy- good. The Royal- I, think yeah. I, I think I, think yes. I praised it to to all ends, right? And and five star
1: segment or whatever you said, or yeah, I yeah.
0: said I said five star atmosphere, four point seven five star segment, yeah. four point five star match. It was fantastic. It was great. Okay, um, look, there's other notes here. The crowd being completely deflated after the final one, two, three. They didn't. Boo Roman Reigns and give him massive, massive heat. They were deflated. The air got sucked out of the entire room that fit the situation. That was the perfect reaction. And WWE got that Jay let's give credit was incredible selling his character, the anger he has Mm -hmm. at Roman yet his inability to actually turn on him and stand up for himself fully. And WWE did their damnedest to send the crowd home happy at the end with the stunners and Sammy's Huluva kick. So Mm -hmm. there was a lot to like in this. It's just that I guess, look, this is, this is a situation, Chris, where WWE and Triple H and Paul Heyman now are victims of their own success because the Royal Rumble was so pitch perfect. And perfect. The Cody Rhodes, Sammy Zayn segment on raw was so perfect. And the Cody Rhodes, Paul Heyman segment on raw was so perfect that now we expect perfection every single time. That's the level that this storyline has reached. It is the greatest storyline in the history of professional wrestling from its totality, from its character work, in some cases the match quality. It's incredible. And because of that, every time it's on my screen, I expect this is going to be the best thing I've ever seen. This was not. This wasn't a low point by any means, but it wasn't. The highest point, which you thought it might be, was Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns finally yeah. getting together. So that's that, really that's what, what, I, that's what victims of their own success.
1: Yes, the Rumble finish was perfect, and I wanted another perfect finish to this. And th- right. the spear thing, a couple weeks ago or, or so, when they did the trial of Sami Zayn, and, and I, I said on this podcast, I said, I didn't love it. It took me out because it felt like a very pro-wrestling thing mm-hmm. in a storyline that has really transcended pro-wrestling and oh i accidentally speared my friend causes him to turn on me is a very pro wrestling thing to happen to the storyline and i think that's kind of it, it's nitpicking but i think that's why it, it it bothered me in that moment as as for the rest of this that that beginning 4 minutes i think you you clocked it i think of Crowd cheering before they even locked up. That was From almost God. longer yeah. than one of the matches on this card that we'll get, <laughs> we'll get into. <laughs> it was literally almost longer than an, an entire match. Like uh, a Roman early on, um, protecting his ear after he got hit in the the, the side. Because remember, he had a real mm-hmm. injury there that maybe had some real heat with Kevin Owens over, over his that eardrum, back yeah. at War Games. Yeah, so like I I don't know if he was leaning into that or if he really like hurt it again or something. But but he really. Uh, leaned into that a, a lot um the crowd cheering so the the, the mat the bell rings and the camera's on Roman and he's just like staring at Sammy not even taking him seriously just like annoyed that he has to be here almost by the by the before they locked up by the, 4 minutes into this with the crowd so Roman by the end is looking like he's starting to doubt himself like he's like 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 showing some nervousness, looking at the crowd, doesn't really know what quite going on. Like he did a tremendous job of just facial acting within four minutes of standing there. Like it it was it was tremendous, tremendous stuff. He continues to move up the all-time rankings of the 4.99 kickout. A uh, 2.99 kickout. Man. He, like he's nearing he's so, Kurt Angle. Uh, levels. Okada,
0: Omega, Ibushi. He's right up there. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's nearing like that top level of 2.99 kickouts to the point where almost sometimes I think he might do him too late, but <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's great stuff. Um, and, and look, this match cemented Sami Zayn as a main eventer for WWE. Hopefully. You can be upset that he didn't win the title and you felt like this was the opportunity to do it. Totally fine. But Like this was not a, all right, Sammy got his moment. Now we're just going to move on to whatever and forget about him. No, like they propped him up as much as they propped up almost anybody as if this was a WrestleMania main event. They know the talent that he is, and he's a guy who you can main event anywhere now. So he was absolutely made by this, even in a loss.
0: So on that note, we're not going to do a lot of time booking the damn territory ahead to WrestleMania here. We're going to save that for Tuesday's WWE show. But quickly on this, moving away, going to WrestleMania, it seems pretty simple. Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes is set. To me, Chris, there was nothing here that makes me believe Sammy should be or will be added to that match. And I never believed he should be or would be. Are we on the same page about that?
1: I never believed he should be or would be. I did think he needed to lose clean to fully erase all of that. Like in K-Fabe, he could make an argument to be in the match. But no, I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't think it needs to happen.
0: Okay, so then the question is, what happens with Sammy and KO and whether we get the tag team championship match that we expect? Now, we're going to talk more about it on Tuesday. But one notion that I wanted to dispel immediately and. We talked about this on the live pre-show that we did on Twitter spaces at getting overcast is that match happening KO Sammy against the Usos would not be some type of relegation or insult to Sammy and KO or the story or anything like that. Not at all. I'm not sure how many times I have tried to explain to people, and we, t- we, you saw me tweet about it today, and also we talked about it on that pre-show on Twitter Spaces. Got you, fired you do up. not end a three-year, 900-day title reign six weeks before WrestleMania. You just don't do it. It was never going to happen. Like, don't work yourself into a tizzy because you're upset Sami Zayn didn't win because he can still have an incredible moment At WrestleMania, we don't know for sure that he will be in the tag team title match. But what WWE has done is what so many fans have asked. It's why don't you make the tag team titles in the tag team division important? So what have they done? They've taken the Usos. They've turned them into maybe the greatest tag team in WWE history. They've made them unstoppable, undisputed champions of both titles. and. They have them involved in the same storyline that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have been a part of for months, Sami Zayn going back 10 months. And a lot of the work that Sami did was specifically with the Usos. So would you prefer Sami to beat Roman and become world champion? Maybe you would. Is it some slight or insult to him? If he goes into WrestleMania with his best friend and for the first time in their careers, they rekindle their friendship and they win the undisputed tag team titles off a team that has the record reign and has been right. absolutely dominant over the last, you know, year or year plus, however long it's been. No, that's not a relegation, it's not an insult. It's still a really big moment. It may not be the really big moment. It's still a really big moment. You miss, well yeah, you missed the almost the biggest part of it until the very end
1: there. They would end the longest tag team reign in <laughs> WWE right. history. Like, that is that is <laughs> best not some, like, together. Yeah. That is, yeah, like, rekindling with your best friend and ending the longest tag team reign ever, potentially on the main event of night one of many, is not some, like, large step down, like, by any stretch no. of the imagination. Or and the that itself is too. a it's great yeah. story. It's not the same as winning the WWE Championship, yes, but winning a tag team championship and ending the longest reign of all time is is one is one of the biggest would be one of the biggest moments in tag team history. Like, and by the way,
0: I think of memory serves and look, I want the women to main event. I love that the women get to main event night one and whatever, but I think if they main event, it will be the first time a tag team match main events, WrestleMania since the first one. So mm-hmm. it's still a huge moment. And if you want those tag team titles elevated and you shit on WWE, for a decade or two decades, and Vince McMahon for not treating the tag team division well. And now you have a spot where, arguably, along with Cody, the most over babyface in the company can potentially main event a night of WrestleMania with his best friend and beat the undisputed champions, ending a record reign. How is that some insulting relegation? It's not. So dispel that bullshit. It would would be one of the biggest moments in tag team history. I agree. of,
1: Of all of wrestling. So...
0: Absolutely. Okay, let's move on from that. More about all of this again on Tuesday's WWE episode right here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast feed. Chris, let's get into the two Elimination Chamber matches. We'll start with the Raw Women's number one contendership on the line. Asuka, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Nikki Cross, Natalia, and Carmella quickly on SmackDown. Asuka fought Liv. Mella was on commentary. The other women wound up ringside. Mella was hysterical and really entertaining on commentary just wanted to give her credit live hit a dynamite mm-hmm. code breaker out of the corner for a nice pop she also had a diving drop kick and another code breaker only for oscar to counter oblivion and tap morgan out a second time in the week with her new butterfly armbar the women traded signatures and finishers all the rest of the women raquel helped live out of the corner only to take a surprise oblivion and a roundhouse kick from oscar and oscar and Liv showed respect for each other it was a fun match we got the right winner More importantly, despite taking consecutive L's, Liv was built really strong here, and that continued into the chamber. Is there anything you wanted to say here, or should I get right into the chamber match? No, let's get into it. All right, so this opened the show, the women did. Liv and Natty started. Natty got a huge pop from Canada. Raquel was third. She got Sunset Flip powerbombs into the cage by Natty after she did a strength spot. There was a unique combo Oblivion neckbreaker with those three. Nikki then came in, went wild forth. She slingshotted Liv into a pod. Morgan sold it like absolute death. Then Nikki hit a crossbody off a pod and said the three women. Mela ran away. Rodriguez drove cross into another pod for a massive spot and the first fall. Liv caught Raquel with a flying codebreaker, then jumped off of a pod for an insane super sunset flip powerbomb on Rodriguez. Asuka tried to murder Carmela after entering fifth. Liv caught Natty with a codebreaker but ate a super kick from Mella while trying Oblivion. And then she got put in the sharpshooter. She screamed, but refused to tap. So Asuka doubled up with her butterfly armbar for a knockout elimination as Liv passed out in the middle of the ring. Mella broke a sharpshooter on Asuka with a super kick to Natty for the third fall. Asuka and Mella then kicked the hell out of Raquel before a double pinfall. Mella immediately caught Asuka blind with a super kick for a false finish. They traded pin attempts until Asuka finally locked Mella into that butterfly submission for a screaming tap out and the win in 20 minutes. Asuka moves on and she will fight Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. This was an extremely strong opening match. Funny enough, the middle of the match was actually way better than the finish. Liv's spots were exceptional. She was the MVP. Natty and Mella, I gotta say, I was critical of both of them being in the match, even though it made sense that Natty was in it, but they were great in this match, both of them. Liv and Raquel were both protected with double-team falls, Morgan especially, because she got knocked out cold. And really, my only criticism is I wish Liv was among the final three. The finish did feel a little bit rushed. That's not abnormal in chamber matches. It was like as soon as you get to three, they just want it to end. So you go pinfall, pinfall, submission, submission, whatever you get it over with. Beyond that, though, Asuka was clearly the right winner. Uh, So it was an exceptionally strong match. Definitely one that I'll watch again, no doubt about it. I wouldn't say it was particularly memorable, but 3.75 stars B plus really damn good opener.
1: I felt like this m- might've been the best women's chamber match of all time.
0: Definitely. Not, not that
1: there's been a, not that there's been a ton of them, but like this was great start to finish. Mm-hmm. I was another one of those people who was critical of the, uh, some of the people in the match, but everybody delivered. Everybody did something and it made the match better. So, Absolute credit to all the women for showing out for that spot. Liv's um, sunset flip off the top was nuts. Like, it is so easy to mess that thing up. And credit to Raquel, too. Like, the timing of that is really hard to
0: get. She has to take it. She has to hit that. I mean, that's Raquel. Yeah. It's really, it's 50 50 at worst. I mean, it's probably more. Yeah,
1: it's on both of them. Just to get that timing right was absolutely perfect. So that was great. The spot where Liv's head was through the chain was pretty gnarly. Like most people's heads aren't small enough to get through there, but hers was. And and it turned out to be a pretty good, pretty good spot. Um, I'll always pop for somebody getting slammed through the chamber. Like it's just, it's always good. Even though, even though it's like plexiglass flexible glass now, instead of uh, the shattering, like it used to be always a great spot. Uh, We we all knew Oscar was going to win coming in, but they absolutely delivered and made this an entertaining ride along the way. So. Major credit to to everybody involved.
0: And they've done a great job in a very short period of time, three, four weeks, making Asuka go from, you know, hey, she hasn't been around, and maybe her gimmick's changing, we'll see, to, like, dominant, badass Asuka. You know, Asuka's going to kill you, Asuka. That version. She's back 100%, and now, Chris, she's the first woman in WWE history to win Elimination Chamber, Royal Rumble, and money in the bank and it does sound mm. like queen of the ring may be coming back. I don't know if she'll ever win that, but it would be something if she did. That's a well-deserved accolade for Oscar beyond all of her championships and just the fact that she's awesome and her other accomplished accomplishments. She is a no-doubter WWE Hall of Famer. She was way before this too. But now she's an absolute yeah. like no-doubter like should be in as soon as she possibly can be. Looking ahead to WrestleMania, this Bel-Air Oscar match, it's going to be a straight up banger. I do hope Asuka wins and winds up as champion. It fulfills her mania destiny after all the prior losses. It ends Bianca's long title reign and it begins a significant run that could help eventually get over a brand new baby face against her. I love the booking. I love the winner. And I'm very excited now for this storyline and this match at WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, we'll see how it plays out on Monday nights. By the next time we talk, we'll we'll know more about it. But Mm -hmm. she got a huge pop. Asuka I know. did, and people chanting for her. And I don't know, I don't know how you're going to exactly make her heal. I'll tell you. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can have her beat up Bianca, do stuff, no, you, whatever. But like, it's simple. People just you do a double. People do
0: a double love, turn at WrestleMania. That's it.
1: You could, but people, yeah, because yeah, people love Asuka. and I don't think there's anything that she can do to not look cool because her her whole persona is beating people up and looking cool doing it. So like, even yeah. if you try to do that as a heel, you're going to look cool. Bianca, we've talked about this before. Uh, we both agree would be a great heel. I think she did it in NXT, but we haven't seen it since we she moved up. I mm-hmm. think it'd be a great uh, move forward for her as she's gotten a bit bland. I know she's a face of the company type person, but um, I, I I I think double turn possibility at Mania or whatever would be would do wonders for for both of them. So she we'll badly
0: see. needs to be refreshed, Bianca Belair. Best way to do it: turn her heel turn her back baby face. She'll be over like Rover again. Not a problem. This is I don't have another Oscar drop. I just wanted her voice on the show. I'll get like a happy, funny, better Oscar drop at some point. But Oscar, welcome to the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Chris, let's move to the other elimination chamber match. United States Championship was on the line. The champion Austin Theory defending against Seth Rollins, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and Montez Ford. Alright, here we go. Uh, uh, Rollins and Gargano started. They were wrestling for the first time in WWE. They both got chance. It was everything you could expect from a match between these two, a short match. Rollins nearly caught Gargano with a draping pedigree. Johnny hit a Tope spear coming back. Theory got run going third, but the faces beat him down two on one in his pod, which I've never seen them someone like do that before. Two on one, a full beat down in the pod. Uh, Priest hit a shit ton of signatures and big moves entering fourth, including kill switch on Rollins and a step over sent on, on theory at ringside Rollins hit priest with a superplex into a Falcon arrow. Reed entered fifth German suplexing priest into the cage and squashing him into a pod. And then Ford was last. He immediately tried a people's elbow on theory, but got interrupted by Reed theory. Somehow dead squatted Bronson on his shoulders up fully full extension only to then eat a power slam. With Gargano on Reed's shoulders, Rollins springboarded into a doomsday device that Gargano continued into a poison rana on Bronson Reed. It was absolutely wild. Ford then climbed the roof and he dropped straight down into all five guys. Another insane spot. Reed ate single, double, and triple super kicks from the faces, plus one final beat from Gargano, a stomp from Rollins, and a frog splash from Ford to get pinned first. Then Rollins and Gargano emerged atop a pod where they took like a brief respite and then they just started fighting. Rollins was about to powerbomb Gargano off the pod into people waiting below. Instead, Gargano did a hurricanrana off the pod with Rollins falling into them super avalanche hurricanrana style. And I legitimately yelped. Like I jumped in my seat and yelped because it looked so dangerous. I couldn't believe they actually did it. Gargano went on a run hitting theory with one final beat outside. The Priest blocked another attempt inside and hit a razor's edge on Gargano for the second fall. Priest tried to choke slam Ford, only to eat a powerbomb from Rollins, comboed with a flying blockbuster for Montez's second elimination and third overall in the match. Ford then went on a run with a ton of topes. He caught Theory with a Uranagi, but Theory got knees up on a frog splash with Rollins stomping Ford while he was hanging through the ropes for a Theory pin. Now Rollins came back and he looked set for a buckle bomb, Instead, he hit Fury with a Liger bomb, which got a huge pop. Ford remained motionless on the canvas. And suddenly, when the doors were open, a bunch of WWE officials ran in to literally scrape him off the mat like a dough cutter is the only thing else they could have used to literally like scrape this guy off and peel him away. And he looked concussed. His eyes were all open and it looked serious. And Montez sold it really well. But I'm. I want to say, Chris, 95% sure that it was all a ruse to keep the chamber door open an extended time. So Rollins, he decides, all right, Ford's almost out of the ring. I'm going to get back to it. He misses a stomp. He escapes ATL. Then he hits Theory with a pedigree. And when he was ready to nail a stomp, suddenly out of nowhere, Logan Paul runs into the structure for a surprise buckshot lariat on Rollins. And then Rollins gets on his hands and knees and Logan Paul hits the stomp on him. He jumps out of the chamber, closes the door, climbs the side, starts laughing at Rollins, and Theory hits ATL to retain the title. So let's get one thing straight. Chris, this was an extraordinary chamber match, an all-timer yes. from bell to bell. Mm-hmm. The elimination of Reed was perfect. He looked like an absolute monster, taking six super kicks and three finishers to get pinned. Everyone got over. Gargano was the MVP, which is exactly what he needed. Montez proved he can be a legitimate main event level star. He had a breakout performance. So Gargano MVP, but Montez breakout. And even the finish with Logan's run in, it was executed perfectly with major heel heat on Logan Paul. Anyone who listens to this show, though, you know I hate fake concussions these days, 2023, you know, this type, this time period, especially to the degree that they did it here because Montez wasn't just like concussed and then they got him up and they brought him out of the ring. He was being dragged lifeless out of the (laughs) ring. And when you add that plus the schmaz finish here, it took a match that was easily going to be a five-star match. It it took it down from that. And on rewatch, it may also hold me from an A+. But for now, in this moment, having just watched it, I'm going 4.75 stars and an A+. plus. It was superb bell to bell. And if they just didn't do that drastic of a fake concussion spot, I probably would have been at five stars.
1: Yeah, I'm at probably 4.5. And it, it, it 100% was not a real concussion. And I know a lot of people got worked at it at the time. I got worked a he couple weeks ago. He so well. He did. But there was the referee comes over to check on him and he says something to him and you, and I, I just happened to see Montez Ford's thumb rub against the leg of the referee oh, good, to okay. give him the like, I'm all good. Yeah. So like, as opposed to like the hand squeeze, he did, he gave a little like rub of, with his thumb. I saw hmm. that right away. And so I knew it wasn't real. I was like, why are they doing this? Why is this dragging out? And then Logan Paul shows. Like, oh, okay. It's just, it was weird because you don't need to do that because the, Door already opens. Exactly in the cell. Exactly. It's not, they're not locked in there. Like you gotta open the door to let somebody out every time. You could have just had Logan Ball like, what's Logan Ball doing here? He breaks through and does it like you can drag it out, it's, you it's,
0: can drag it out a little bit that he has to come to and yeah, he starts crawling sure. out. You know.
1: Yeah, you just you didn't need to do the you really didn't need to do the you didn't need to do it. For, for that for that point. I, to me, MVP of this match, Bronson Reed
0: that dude
1: looked incredible yeah. and not only that he healed it the fuck up major <laughs> props of that dude he slams i think damian priest or somebody into the pod, and it doesn't break and it was supposed to break i think and the crowd chants one more time one more time same thing happened earlier in the women's match and mm-hmm. and with natalia and Liv, and they did it again and instead of doing it again bronzer reed turns to the crowd and gives them the, the like the underarm like f you to the crowd <laughs>
0: yeah the up yeah. Yeah.
1: and they start booing and it, there were there were a couple other things he did that were just classic heel moves so like so good. I was just like this guy gets it like mm-hmm. this guy understands the little details of how to do this and he looked like an absolute hoss he a hundred percent should not be the person taking a poison Rana please never do that again <laughs> no but that's what <laughs> makes
0: him so incredible is that he can he can't so but Keith, he almost he, didn't, he, almost didn't. That. he can do it
1: it's wild he, yeah, but he almost didn't and it was almost very very bad. No, so he's... but 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 uh so that was but he was awesome in this match. Like I can my biggest thing when coming into this match was like all right, Bronson Reed can be a dude. Like he he can can insane it. Um l- l- other things um when Ford did his thing from the top the camera angle was terrible. They did yeah. that. They did the classic camera angle from below. I hate it because then you can't tell the context of how high up he is. And he was high up. You didn't need I to know. do it. Uh, so I, I hate also, when they do that with the camera angles. It, it also felt like it
0: should have been like a cannonball, too.
1: Yeah, I don't like I, before, while we were doing the pre-show, the 2020 chamber was on Peacock and I was watching it. And one of the guys from Lucha House Party did the same thing. But he, he did. He like swung himself and did a full on. hmm shooting star press. I remember that, yeah. Flip in in, in into it is a little bit more impressive but still a crazy awesome spot cuz for like Montez Ford is a guy who jumps but he's not like a he's not like a jump off of crazy stuff type of guy. He's more just he gets big air on what he does. So that was Yeah, uh, he's incredibly athletic, but
0: he doesn't necessarily do like lucha moves. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So but but he looked great. Like everybody in this match looked great. Like again, like uh, other than the finish being a little too schmazi for me, uh, again another second chamber match where everybody delivered and and um
0: it was great so moving this forward to wrestlemania briefly obviously rollins logan is the plan we've known that would be the plan with theory retaining it does seem like the john cena match is going to happen for the title and that does make sense the booking there is going to be interesting to see if we get it i'll also tell you guys that in the post elimination chamber press conference Theory did a open challenge for the United States Championship this coming Monday on Raw and following him in the press conference was Edge who said hey you know it's kind of weird that this guy idolizes John Cena who I hate you know in kayfabe obviously not in real life um and if that challenge is going to be open on Monday since Raw is going to be in Ottawa still going to be in Canada maybe I'll just take it so we very well may have Edge Austin Theory uh this Monday on Raw and I wouldn't be surprised Chris if that starts some type of like Oh, I beat one legend, he probably wins by DQ or some like Schmaz or Finn Balor probably interferes and, and helps and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and Theory ends up winning and he starts talking shit. I can beat all the legends, and then Cena shows up whenever and they build that for Mania. That's what I think the plan is. Uh what do you think?
1: Could could be. Uh you know, we we both we all predicted. You know Rollins versus Logan Paul, Theory versus Cena. It just felt more natural to me to have the belt on the line in the Rollins Logan Paul match because then there's a real chance of him winning. I don't think there's any chance Cena wins the U.S. title against Austin Theory Ed Mania. So, um, we'll see. We probably won't get the Cena answer on Monday because of Edge and everything. So maybe it's not Cena. I mean, it's possible it could be something else. Maybe Cena's busy. I I, I don't know, but the.
0: The two options are if Cena does win, he can relinquish it the next night on Raw. Just be like, hey, look, it was great to win. I it, hate this the you guys one now. I respect could. you guys too much to take the title, you know, enjoy it. Let's let's really do an open challenge. And maybe they even crown a new champion that Monday night or he does an open challenge Monday night. Someone comes out and beats him and that person gets put over Bronson Reed, for example, yep. or yep. Damien Priest, something like that. So it's possible that, you know, he could win it. Um, they could also just do the match and not have it on the line. American yeah, we just, continue. we haven't, we haven't seen
1: Cena do a full match match since Roman Money in the Bank 2021. And before right. that, you're going back a while because that was his first appearance since Firefly Funhouse match. So hey, look, like, that
0: he didn't was, miss a step though in the tag team that, match. I know that was, it was a tag team match. That
1: was, he, I know, but he barely did anything. I'm just saying we haven't seen Cena do a full real one-on-one match outside of the one in years. So mm-hmm. like I just it's 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 an it's an other interesting kind of aspect.
0: Look, maybe they don't do it, but what I would say is if they weren't going to do Cena, then the only other thing to do would be a multi man match, and they just did that. So I would be very right. surprised if they did another right. multi man match. Doesn't
1: feel it. like a ladder match type of thing. Exactly. Six people.
0: Exactly. All right, let's move to the other two matches that were on this card. We'll start. With Edge and Beth Phoenix against Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley, the Edge entrance dude was straight-up insanity. Not only did the crowd go wild, they serenaded him. And Beth (laughs) had Nakano makeup as a tribute to her. The fans did a loud, and I mean loud, fuck you Dominic chant as Ripley and Phoenix Mm -hmm. pumped major meat in the ring. Beth countered Rhea into the steel steps. Edge chased Dom backstage, but he quickly came back out and got more FU chance. Ripley ate a great spike DDT from Beth. Balor snuck under the ring to stop a tag in in a really smart spot with Edge. Beth escaped a second riptide attempt and also escaped an avalanche glam slam attempt before Phoenix came back with a sick top rope superplex. Edge got the hot tag catching Balor in the educator with Phoenix doing the exact same thing to Ripley. Rhea stopped Finn from tapping by grabbing his arm. He was about to lose the match. So Dom jumps on the apron and distracts the referee, throwing the brass knuckles to uh, Ripley. With Dom still distracting, Rhea headbutts Beth, then punches Edge in the face with the knucks. Phoenix was supposed to break the fall here, but she was super late in what was definitely a botch. Edge got his shoulder up. I I have to rewatch it. I'm not sure if it was at 2.999 or like 3.1. To me, it came off like it was 3.1 and the match was over, but it continued. Beth then flung Dom into the ropes from the outside to stop a coup de grace attempt from Balor. Ripley and Phoenix then took the guys off the ropes in the same corner simultaneously with power bombs. What was incredible about this, Chris, is as the guys were up for the power bomb, you had Edge on Ripley's shoulders and Balor on Phoenix's shoulders. The guys looked at each other, Like, oh man, we are screwed. So they sold how great and powerful the women were in that moment, which I just thought was incredible. Rhea then set up for a concerto on the steps. Beth ducked out of it and hit glam slam on her at ringside. Edge then caught Balor with an execution and Tope suicided Dom. Balor countered the spear with a sling blade, but he ate a spear coming back with Edge and Beth then combining for Shatter Machine out of nowhere and the win, the baby faces going over in Canada, beyond us getting. Oh, we got two big meaty men bumping me tonight, and I do not mean men. We got two big meaty women bumping beat in this match with Phoenix and Ripley just beating the ever loving oh, shit man. out of each other. Beyond that, this was a complete banger. Yeah, there was a botch. Okay, shit happens. They recovered quickly. The crowd was electric. They were all over Dom to an incredible degree. Beth wrestled like she was 10 years younger. She was the clear MVP of the match, and I would kill for her to be back in a part-time role like Edge. Once Edge retires, let him go be with the kids. Beth, you come back and do exactly (laughs) what Edge did for two years. I want it. WWE did exactly also, Chris, what I wanted and expected here by making the women the focus, yet finishing with the men because they wanted Edge to win in Canada and Balor to create the blow off WrestleMania challenge. In fact, I'm going to Barry Horowitz myself here because I believe I had this. In fact, I nailed it with Balor, not just taking the fall, but taking a double finisher as protection. So I didn't know that finisher would be the revivals shatter machine, which was a great look, great homage because they're all legitimate friends, but this was a great match. Beth and Rhea. I wanted them in a singles match, but we basically got that inside of this. It was tremendously paced. It was entertaining. The perfect booking throughout. Four stars A-. minus. Loved it.
1: Awesome stuff. The the, the defining image of this match to me was the moment that Rhea and Beth just clotheslining each other. Like that was Seamus Gunther level just Mm -hmm. beating the shit out of each other. Like the definition of big meaty women bumping meat in the most awesome of ways. They were the, you're right, they were the stars of the match along with Dominic, who is the second biggest heel in the company. I think it's
0: <laughs> Roman Reigns, Dominic Mysterio. Yeah, It's crazy. It really is.
1: And look, I, I said coming in that I really felt like Dominic should be in this match instead of Finn. It, it would not have been as good of a match if it was, but in Dominic was there to get all the heat anyway. So like it, it mm-hmm. probably worked out in the end. Um, So, so that worked. he is just, he is incredible. Like, like he's, it's, it's, it's incri- just, it's amazing how much it's working edge doing a suicide dive. Like, Whoa, I can't remember the last time I saw him do that. Um, I, I, I also didn't realize until this match started that the judgment day has been around for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. It was WrestleMania last year that it started. And so I was like, wow, it, 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 I feel like judgment day is as good as they've ever been like credit to them for sticking with it for a while. And then finding something with the Dominic Rhea stuff that really brought it back up a level. So 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 that's been uh, that's been good. Um, do I have anything else on here? It seems to be pretty clearly setting up Finn versus Edge with the way Finn was yeah, so the blow off um, furious. For sure. They were they're holding him back, trying to get to him. Finn saying, "I hate you, I hate you." It, it felt like that's where it's going. Um, and yeah, I, I I still think it's possible we get Rhea one on one with Beth like on a SmackDown or raw and just having Rhea win that. Oh, I'd love it. I think we, I think we we could do it. We, we have six weeks. I know Rhea is confronting Charlotte on SmackDown this week. They could do it after the fact
0: too. let Rhea win the title at WrestleMania. Have Beth challenger. I don't even care if it's at the Saudi show. Just, I want the match. That's true. I just want the match. I don't care where it is. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Yeah, but you're right Uh, for WrestleMania. We already know Rhea Ripley's challenging Charlotte flair. Their first face to face will be this coming Friday on SmackDown. And then of course, we wait to see what happens with Edge and Balor. Though, if you listen to our ultimate preview, I think I had a pretty good book in the damn territory on that. Long story short, a little bit return maybe of Demon Balor, a little brood Edge at WrestleMania. Yeah. I think it would make a lot of yeah. sense. Be pretty cool. I think
1: you'd have to at this point. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I think that'd be pretty. damn Also, cool. one other thing.
1: Uh, one other thing. Edge's hair looked weird. Man, it looks like, like Beavis. Short, sh- short-haired. It was it was short, but it wasn't short enough. Like it was too long on the sides. It looked yeah. like it looked like a dad haircut, like just he looked like an older man. And it was kind of weird without the long hair, without the long beard or anything. It was just a different look. And of all his looks since he's come back, I, I do think this is the, well, the worst one.
0: I, I don't think, think you can grow the hair out in
1: time for mania.
0: I think the situation is he was away and he was doing that. Uh, was it was a Percy Jackson, some type of show. He's like he has a really big role, like a huge like in the show. So he cut all his hair. So my guess is he's growing it back and he's in yeah. one of those weird in between times where it's like not long. It's not short, but you're yeah. right. It was noticeably odd. That is yeah. Also, true. he
1: he did say in the post press conference that he wants to continue acting outside of WWE. So fingers crossed that we get a money plane two.
0: <laughs> money plane two, the moneyest of planes. That is true. Yes. All right. Let's get to the last match on the card. We still have grades and some other takeaways still to come. So don't, Go anywhere just yet. Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, part three. Now, for the sake of time tonight, okay, we're going to discuss the Bray Wyatt segment from SmackDown and how it maybe affected this match on Tuesday's WWE show. But suffice to say, I thought it would give away the winner. It did not. We'll get to that We're mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Now, this match, Lesnar-Lashley three was second on the card. Lesnar's pop was monstrous. And he threw Lashley around at the bell, beating him outside until Lashley caught him with a spear inside for a two count. Bobby hit a second spear. Brock blocked Hurtlock, countering into a pair of F5s for a pair of 2.5 counts. Lashley countered a third F5 attempt into his third spear plus a hurt lock. Brock failed breaking it. So he low blowed Bobby with a mule kick and Lashley got the win because he did it clear in front of the referee. Then he F5 the referee for making the call. He f 5 Lashley a third time and then brought him outside and F5-ed his ass for a fourth time through the announce table. And the crowd screamed, holy shit, Lesnar's music hits. But then he's like, eh, I'm not done. He grabs the referee out of the ring and F5's the referee into the broken announce table just for good measure. Now, look, fans were obviously disappointed because we got a Schmaz finish, but Lesnar gave them so much in the post-match that it quickly turned their boos into cheers, And the booking here, I thought, was extremely similar to the second Brock Lesnar Undertaker match. They tried to do a rubber match series there as well, where Taker was so frustrated, realizing Brock had his number and he wasn't going to be able to beat him, that he resorted to a low blow. Now, in that match, Taker got the win, because I think it was behind the referee's back. Here, we got a DQ finish. And while we did get what we wanted to see. (laughs) Big meaty man (laughs) slapping me. That's what I want. I mean, there was a lot of beef out there flying in the ring. (laughs) Reinforce the ring post. The beef's going to be flying tonight, gentlemen. So we got all that. But it was still a DQ finish after a short match. And it was pretty much finisher spam. There wasn't story. There wasn't a lot of exciting action. So I went three stars B minus. And I actually think that's a little bit generous of a grade because the match, I wouldn't say the match was good, but the post match was so excellent that it kind of tied the entire thing in together. It did, Chris, keep my hopes of a blow off at WrestleMania alive, which, as I've said, it's the appropriate venue for Lesnar Lashley. And I would do it in some type of cage structure, whether it's the fight pit, whether it's something else, or maybe it's just a stipulation match. They have to end this appropriately and they have to end it at WrestleMania. That's just how I feel coming out of this.
1: Credit to you again, who, when we made our picks on the ultimate preview, you picked Schmoaz. I didn't know we could pick Schmoz, but, but that, that's <laughs> Well, no, what you I, I got
0: it wrong. I actually got it wrong because I predicted no contest and we did not get a no contest. We got a winner. Lashley won.
1: Yeah, I get well, yeah, I guess that's true. That's that we did. That, that, that that is true.
0: And by the um, way, I did pick La- I did pick Lashley <laughs> on the pre-show. Yes. When I was forced to pick one yes. or the other.
1: <laughs> yes. I picked Brock, Bray's. Statement on SmackDown made me think we weren't going to get what we got. So the fact that we did get what we got was actually interesting because the Bray thing kind of had my hopes down. But this match itself was not any good. It was it was it was Brock Goldberg level just spam finishers, which I was which was frustrating me because I'm like, I want to see these guys do a real match like I know they can and I'm thinking this is the blow off. One of them's going to go fight Bray. So the fact that it's not the fact that we are almost certainly going to get one more of these gives me hope that we will finally get a full on like real actual match between these guys. Cause this was four minutes and 45 seconds. This is the match that was basically the same length as the crowd cheering for Sami Zayn after the bell. Like that's how <laughs> short it You're was.
0: You're right. It was
1: so. Uh, I, I, I want more from them finally. And I think we will. We we It feels like we've just been getting teases and teases and teases from them for, for so long now that hopefully we finally get one more of these. The post-match was fun, entertaining. The crowd was way more into that than they were the match. Um, so off we go continuing this on again, I guess.
0: I mean, consider because we're about to grade the show, but consider this was the worst match on the card. But we still got a lot of beef out there. There's a lot of beef out here. I mean, no bread, no water. All we got was meat.
1: He do not want no water. I always screw no those bread. two up every All single time. He wants is meat.
0: Water, bread. I'm going to remember it's water first, then bread first, then bread second. I'll eventually pick it up. We've only been doing the show for three years. Uh, anyway, Chris, look, again, this was the worst thing on the show. It wasn't that bad, though. Like, I was still sports entertained, even if it was not top tier wrestling. And regarding the Bray yeah. Wyatt thing, we are going to talk about it in more detail on Tuesday. But Jack at Shan Jack Bet, he literally tweeted this while we're talking about it, is like, can you please explain if Brock and Bobby, if they're going to happen again at Mania, what was the point of Bray's promo on Friday? And what the hell is Bray going to do at WrestleMania? Dude, I don't know. (laughs) Like, like we're going to have to think it through and try to figure out what the point of him doing that on Friday was. Maybe it was a swerve or maybe given the way that Lesnar snapped and took out the referee, he could potentially miss Mania entirely because he'll get suspended. I don't, know why they would do that, but they could or he could work a program based on Bray getting into his head or something to that degree. And that's why he did it. We're going to have to see what happens with Lashley on Monday. Presumably, there's going to be some announcement about Lesnar, whether it's a suspension, whether it's he shows up on Raw. We're going to see what happens Monday with Lesnar and Lashley. And maybe on Tuesday in our podcast, we'll have a little bit more insight into what the hell this is going to be.
1: I don't did, did. I didn't catch it. Did commentary say anything about Bray Wyatt?
0: Being like, hey, no, Bray Wyatt I don't said believe so.
1: last night that he's going to fight the winner of this. I don't think we ever got that. So I
0: don't Let's believe see. they brought it up, if memory serves. Yeah. All right. So, Chris, that was the breakdown of WWE Elimination Chamber, which means it is time to get to our grades. We also have a couple other takeaways at the end of the show. So stay tuned after our grades. Do not go anywhere. Let's first start with a reminder of what our pre-show grades were. Then, Chris, we will get to our post-show grades. So on the Ultimate Preview, the WWE Elimination Chamber Ultimate Preview, uh, Chris, you came in at an A- for your expectation grade. I, the Silver King, thought this would be an A, the highest grade from a pre-show standpoint I have ever given to a pay-per-view or premium live event. And all of you Mm -hmm. getting overheads, our listeners You voted in our pre-show poll on Twitter at Getting Overcast, 64% A, 35% B, 1% C, and 0% D to F. That comes to a 4.33, which is a flat A just by a margin. So they agreed with me barely, Chris, over you. They all thought it would be an A for that pre-show expectation grade. Pretty much on the same page. With that, Chris, I bring it to you. Please tell me. What is your final grade for WWE Elimination Chamber?
1: My pre-show grade was an A-. minus. My post-show grade is an A-. It was, the the main event was awesome, but the finish was a little bit less than I was hoping for. But everything else on the card was more than I was hoping for. So I, I gave Royal Rumble an A, because I, I I thought the Rumble matches were good and we got it we got a perfect close to the show this was a little bit more uh, everything else and a little less at the top and to me the top is the most important so I'm gonna go a minus
0: yeah you know I'm really on the border of a minus and a like I kind of want to agree with you know what my expectation grade was when I look at this show, my takeaway from it more than anything else is that it was memorable. Like that's how I describe elimination chamber. I had to pick one word memorable, not excellent, not superb or outstanding, but memorable. I've watched a lot of wrestling. I've watched a lot of different types of wrestling. I will never forget this show even beyond the main event. It was not the best in ring wrestling I've ever seen on a premium live event. It was not the best storytelling I've ever seen on a premium live event but it was so damn good from top to bottom with basically no holes. I mean, the only hole maybe was Lesnar and Lashley and we still got a great post match coming out of that. So based on all of that, I think it just breaks the barrier for me, Chris, and I'm going to go ahead and stick with my pre-show grade and give this an a, you know, pretty much like a 93 out of hundred. Like it just barely eclipses that a minus level, but yeah, this was an A show. It was damn good. And let's see what the listeners think. Our getting overheads. Let me go ahead and tally up their votes. All right. So calculating those figures, we had 72.1% of respondents coming in with an A. That is a larger number than the pre-show poll. We also had 24.6% coming in at a B, obviously smaller than the pre-show poll because the A was more. Uh, C, 2%, D to F, 1.3%. So what's interesting here is the average grade from our listeners to getting overheads comes in slightly below the pre-show grade, 4.2 instead of 4.3. But the problem, Chris, is that Cs, Ds, and Fs to me are so irrelevant. Like there's no way this was, (laughs) this was a D or an F. So I kind of want to like negate those. (laughs) <laughs> and and say that the no, listeners you, thought you, it was an A because it doesn't make any sense. How could you say that it was an F show? You can't.
1: You have to. You have to include the people who think it's an F because Sami Zayn didn't win and they yeah, hate Cody Rhodes. Yes. Yeah.
0: You're right. So I, f- I
1: like I, I I I don't completely disagree with it, but I can actually see a couple of people doing
0: that. I mean, if you're if you're from Montreal and but it wasn't. A, no, you can't. There's no way it was an F show because even if you're upset about no. that, everything else was really good. Like. That just has to be those types of fans that that you know say that shit. But look, whatever. A mi- technically it's an A minus. You're right, four point two instead of the four point three, so it's on the other end of that you know little imaginary barrier there. Uh, but nevertheless, an A A minus. This was this was an exceptional show. Now back to back to start twenty twenty three. We've gotten two exemplary premium live events from WWE, and guess what's next? WrestleMania thirty nine.
1: This is the first A you've ever given, I think, right? No, I've given the only other. Okay, because I remember I gave an A to Mania last year. Maybe I gave it an A plus. I don't think you. I gave gave night one an A.
0: I think overall, I think I gave night one an A, night two in the B's, and then overall an A minus. I think, if memory serves. Yeah,
1: I I never, I never consider A plus kind of in my calculations, and maybe I should, but just. Oh, I do, but there's nothing.
0: I mean, how do you? You have to have perfect show to be an A plus.
1: Right, right.
0: So, yeah, look,
1: great show, man. Like, top to bottom, everything delivered, even though even Brock Lashley was short, but it was entertaining. And we can nitpick uh, what we thought about the, the, the end of it. But that's still a scene in an environment that we're never going to forget in the history of pro wrestling.
0: Without a question. Now, I said we had a couple more things to talk about on the way out, and we, we're going to get to them right now. We'll be short. We're not going to talk your ear off, but we would be remiss if we wrapped this episode without mentioning the monumental amounts of shade that Michael Cole threw on Tony Khan midway through (laughs) Elimination Chamber. So let me give you a long story. It's not really a long story, but semi-long story short. So Khan threw a hissy fit on Twitter Friday night. He called MMA journalist Ariel Helwani biased because on Friday, Helwani held a WWE microphone on SmackDown I mentioned earlier. He was in the crowd in his hometown of Montreal, helping WWE preview Elimination Chamber, Sami Zayn, the whole deal. Now, there's heat between Khan and Helwani because Ariel called out Tony for ducking basically every single question during an interview that they did together a few months ago. And Helwani was 100% on point with his criticism. He was 1000% right. So When Tony sent this tweet, Ariel shot back calling Khan snowman, which refers to fans who say in a joke serious fashion that Tony perhaps may use a certain drug. Now, this was a one punch knockout for Ariel. Okay, and anyone who follows MMA or sports journalism or whatever knows you do not get into a war of words. With Helwani, he is an absolute savage, as he proved with that tweet. So anyway, we get to Chamber. Peter Rosenberg is on the kickoff panel. He makes a tongue-in-cheek comment about Helwani being respected by anyone with intelligence. So, you know, he didn't directly call out Tony Khan, but he kind of did. But Cole dropped this absolute shade bomb (laughs) on Tony Khan midway through the show. There's George St. Pierre, one of the greatest MMA stars of all time. On the left, the unbiased, world-renowned combat sports journalist, Eric Huwani, who has all the hard questions, whether you want to answer them or not. <laughs> Easy, on this down side down of the barricade. Go. Chris, when I tell you I nearly spit out my water, I am not exaggerating. I got a new, like, Ouala water bottle. You guys can go Google it. It's fantastic. I can't stop drinking it. But I was mid-sip, okay, here when Cole just straight up murdered Tony on national television, true goat moment for Michael Cole, at least in my opinion. And con with that tweet, I called it childish in the moment. You and I were talking on Friday night. He kind of deserved it. Let's be honest.
1: Look, I like when the wrestling companies are feuding. Like it, it it's fun. Like it, it's just, it's interesting. It's fun. It's fun when the voice of WWE makes a comment like that um, to, to get into everything. Look, your thoughts on Ariel Helwani, you know, maybe possibly doing work for WWE while also maybe sort of reporting on them. Totally fair conversation to have that. A lot of people are, 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 are there to have, but this turned into something uh, completely unexpected over the last two days. And Michael Cole dropping that was, was very funny. And I hope AEW comes back with something like that's fun. Like it, it, it's fun when that stuff happens. So that was uh yeah, that was a whole thing.
0: Now that was a lot of praise for Cole, but we do have to note, He was somewhat off his game Saturday night. I'm not saying he wasn't entertaining or that he didn't do a tremendous job calling the action he did. But he got like a half dozen move names completely wrong, which is totally uncharacteristic from him. It was shocking. Called a code breaker, a code red. He got uh, he called a Samoan drop, a fall away slam like it was constant all night long. It was weird. Corey kept having to correct him. I don't exactly know what happened. Sometimes people just have off nights. But otherwise, beyond that, commentary did a great job on the show. They laid out in the appropriate parts of the main event. They allowed the crowd to to really carry the show for a lot of it, including the stuff during the mixed tag team match that we talked about, the way they were chanting for Dominic. They referred to the crowd chants, even if they didn't want to say exactly what the crowd was chanting. So commentary did a really good job I thought Cole goaded himself in this moment. It was fantastic. Uh, But yeah, he was a little bit rough actually calling the moves in the match. And that's not characteristic for him.
1: Well, look, I I didn't think commentary was great at the rumble. So I know McAfee was there for that. So maybe Corey and Cole are just not having good chemistry right now. And it's mixing them up. No, you just
0: got moves wrong, move names wrong. I mean, I don't think that's a chemistry issue.
1: Well, just in terms of a reason to be off your game or something. I don't know. I just, it it is two pay-per-views in a row where there have been some kind of strange bits of commentary after a tremendous run.
0: Fair enough. And then lastly, we did get a new WrestleMania goes Hollywood skit. To my delight, I was very perturbed by the fact that they were only showing the old ones on television, whether it was our last podcast or the, or a week before, I don't remember. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. that more on Tuesday in our WWE episode. I just wanted to stay straight off the bat. The first one they did was Joker and Batman, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. It was delightful. It's everything I wanted and more. Did you see the one after the show? I saw after the show, they teased a bunch of the other ones that they have done. Yeah. But I didn't, pay, I didn't pay attention to them because I want to kind of be like surprised in the moment. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Like there was, there was Bianca and Montez doing uh, Titanic. There was a few others in there, which is good because a couple weeks ago when when they played the some of the old ones and you were like, why aren't they doing the new ones? And I said, I, I said, I dude. think they're, they are going to do the new ones. We just got to get closer to the show. So on that point, I was correct.
0: It was just weird that they spent like two months saying, hey, watch our old ones. Watch our old ones. And I'm like, yeah, oh, but it's 2023. Like you guys have got to make new ones. Apparently, they didn't tape them until the last week or so uh, or last week or two. So they're all like fresh and being edited and, mm-hmm. and put out. Now there's six weeks to mania. I presume we're getting one or two per week. So hopefully there's a bunch. Um, they were great. The old ones. And the reason why they were so great is because, yeah, they tried to like remake them and do a little comedy, but there's also a level of like corniness that's inherent with them. And I was a little concerned that they would be lost even if they did redo them. Seeing the Seth and Becky one, the corniness was there, full-fledged, super entertaining. They knocked it out of the park. I can't wait actually to publish this show know, edit the show, publish the show, and go back and watch a lot of stuff from Elimination Chamber a second time. Among those things I want to rewatch is, of course, that WrestleMania goes Hollywood segment. Now, Chris, just a reminder for everyone on the way out. What is to come here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast? Because it is pretty important that we explain this. Be sure to join us on Tuesday for our next episode. It will be another WWE episode. We will give you all the additional fallout from Elimination Chamber, both what happens Monday night on Raw and any additional takeaways and thoughts that Chris and I have given the second watch to Elimination Chamber. We're looking at some of the news and storylines and stuff that is going to go down coming out of the show. Whatever it is, we're going to wrap it all up and we'll bring it to you on Tuesday. So it's going to be a full WWE episode. We will also have notes from the Elimination Chamber press conferences. There's a couple things Triple H said that I want to share. I know Chris has some of his own notes that he wants to share. We're going to be shouting out at least one getting overhead who I know brought a sign to Elimination Chamber. We appreciate you very much, but you will get your shine Tuesday in a special spot at the top of the show. And yeah, we're just going to kick off really the second half of the road to WrestleMania. You know, it really begins, uh, of course, at the Royal Rumble and immediately after the Royal Rumble, but it kicks into full gear once that in-between premium live event ends this year. Of course, it was Elimination Chamber. Now that that is in the books, we have six weeks Until WrestleMania 39, and we are going to be all over it right here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So once again, I appreciate all of you for listening to today's show. On the way out, a couple reminders. First, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting overcast that is where you get to vote in the pre and post show polls you also can join us for live shows whether it's breaking news or ahead of pay-per-views and premium live events you get them at getting overcast through twitter spaces so don't forget to follow us on twitter also please do not forget that this show the getting over wrestling podcast is all about defy so head on over to apple Podcasts and spotify Leave those five-star ratings on Apple. Take a little extra time. Leave a five-star written review. If you do, we will read it live right here on the show. And please, if you are a first-time listener, if you're joining us for the instant analysis, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. We do two shows a week, WWE on Tuesday, AEW and NXT on Thursday. We also interview wrestlers, from AEW, superstars from WWE. We do these instant analysis podcasts, ultimate previews for major events, and special episodes all of the time, the breaking news and special events. So please subscribe to the Getting Over Wrestling podcast wherever you listen to find audio thanks once again to all of you for joining us for this wwe elimination chamber instant analysis edition of getting over thanks once again to chris for joining me here to break it all down for vintage this is the silver king signing off and leaving you with just three final words bye for now